Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 36 of Storyteller Conclaves. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How you doing, sir? Doing just peachy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to admit, I'm a little bit elevated in stress levels right now, just because we were just we were just having kind of a breakdown before before we uh, we rolled into the podcast yeah. here about uh, about my game this last week. Literally thirty seconds. Before. And uh, there was some there was some uh, passionate debate about the adjudication of social combat rules, which we've done an entire episode about on this podcast. And we'll be coming back to, we'll certainly. Be, oh, we'll, oh, we'll be talking about we'll, this, Rob. We'll be bringing this back. <laughs> we'll be bringing this back. But I want to say uh, welcome to uh, Knox and Technolich and Sam. Thank you for coming and uh, joining us uh, tonight on oh, the live Sam chat. Oh, chat? Yeah, yeah. Oh, how she's, about that? She's hanging out with us. Sam is one of our new Patreon uh, subscribers, so thank you for joining us and thank, thank you, you for thank supporting you. the show. Yeah, we truly appreciate it. So uh, tonight we are talking about the effects of celebrity gaming and and what it has done yeah, to the, the genre. Yeah, the explosion of Dungeons & Dragons into the mainstream. Yeah, Stranger Things and Critical Role and even Ro- even Colbert doing like yeah. a mini game yeah. and having that. Uh, big, big name celebrities like uh, uh, Joe Manganiello. Uh, I can never pronounce this You're guy's fine. name. You're Joe Manganiello. Yep. Um, Deborah Ann Wool. Yep. Uh, you know, people like that. It's Vin Steve- Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all coming out and playing uh, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, and and it's really kind of hit its its own little mainstream stride now, and yeah. it's kind of gone from you know our basements and living rooms and kind of onto the big screen and our computers. And so you used a term to kind of bring this about, and that was the Matthew Mercer effect. Yeah, talk about where that came from a little bit. All right, so the Matthew Mercer effect is um, thusly named um, because of a Reddit thread. Uh, that appeared um, a while ago. Let's see if I can find the find the exact date on this. But basically, the uh, the original poster was um, asking, uh, just ask, how do I beat the Matt Mercer effect? And went on right. to define this as he had a handful of new players right. um, to Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, they came to want to play Dungeons and Dragons because they had seen Critical Role, and they become fans of the show. Sure. And they were like, hey, I want to play D&D too. Right. Okay. However, um, there was – it never exploded into like a big argument or anything like that. Right. But he could sense from his group that there were expectations that had already been set. Of course. Um, they wanted to know if he was going to be using Matt Mercer's house rules for uh, – uh, for resurrection and, um, you know, if they if they could include this aspect or that aspect into their games and stuff like that. Sure. And so uh, right off the bat, this particular storyteller was feeling like he was living in the shadow of Matthew Mercer um, just simply because those were where they knew they, – they, they, their perception of D&D was Critical Role. Right, right. Okay. And so if their game wasn't like Critical Role – he felt like there was going to be some some unmet expectations there. Right, and I, I get that cause, because you look at that and mm-hmm. it's so much fun and it's theatrical and oh, they have is. voices and they have these deep characters with interesting past that constantly come up in the game, mm-hmm. you know, and Matt is really good about bringing aspects of their character's history, you know, of the how the warlock gets his powers yeah. and how certain other characters have, you know uh, – shall we say, hidden friends that come to light as gods, mm-hmm. you know, and these are all really great story things that any storyteller can do, but he does it 
so well because he has a history in a professional career that revolves around stories and storytelling and amazing story writers. And literally so does everybody else at his table. Yeah. You know, they're all professional actors, professional voice actors. Right. And such like that. They know how to take the pauses. They know how to hand off the if ands. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, you're doing this thing and I'm going to do this. And they play well together. And they've been together. I mean, that group They they share the spotlight. Yeah. They don't talk over each other. Mm -hmm. There's no one person at the table who tries to steal that limelight constantly. Exactly. Um, but you don't always see that. That's that isn't always true in all of the celebrity options right, that you see right. out there. So um, we wanted to talk a bit just to kind of about the what the Matthew Mercer effect is, but also you know kind of how um, because because the Matt Mercer effect I feel goes a lot deeper than just critical role. One hundred percent. I mean, there is a lot of celebrity D and D out there and stuff like that now. Well, and I mean, and Stranger Things on its own did something that people didn't even know about. Critical Role oh, yeah. suddenly we're picking it up for play, watching Stranger Things, which oh, is right. effectively like today's – I'm going to say it and and I, I think it's funny. Somebody else brought it up this way. It's today's E.T. Mm-hmm. You know, in E.T. they were playing D&D. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a huge influx of D&D then, but if you actually go back and look, there was. Yeah. There was a huge boost from that. Yeah. So this is today's E.T. It's people – oh, the D&D being – holy crap, what's this? You what, know? Did I, what did I see on uh, – I, I think I posted this on the uh, on the Discord for uh, for our show um, the other day. It was a, a pair of tweets by someone and uh, this woman asked a, an 11-year-old at a party or something like that. She's like, uh, so, you know, something something about Fortnite. Yeah. And the kid looked at her and said, we don't play Fortnite anymore. Like, that's that's old school. And she's right. like – what do what are the kids into nowadays? She's like, have you ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons? And she spit out her wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She literally had a spit take. Like, you what, mate? Yeah. No, I, I I caught that same one, and it's it's a thing. It's definitely mm-hmm. a thing. Like I've had uh, other people who've been around me, you know, who I would never have thought based on their age or anything would even be interested. Are just like, oh yeah, we're we're starting to play D and D, and I'm like, you're starting. That's adorable. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm encouraging. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's great that people are doing it. Um, and not just D&D. They're picking up other games. They're doing stuff online. They're considering things that we would never have considered role-playing. Oh, yeah. Role-playing. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Um, and I think that's great. I think uh, a lot of uh, fandom mm-hmm. and fanfic stuff has turned into online role-play, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And it's opened up that door. So – in that sense, I think it has risen a lot of gaming into mainstream and removed the nerdy, you know, zit worn, glasses wearing, I don't have friends people kind of into the light a little bit. Well, it, you know, it, it put a face on it too. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think there, there's two really important things. You know, first off, you know, you. I would say maybe a dec- even a decade ago, you would still think of your, you know, your Dungeons and Dragons players are, you know, your your pimple faced, yeah. you know, teenagers in their mom's basement sort oh, yeah. of thing, you know, uh, your stereotypical nerds, and it's, you know, it kind of had that that sort of connotation to it. But you know, when you get, you know, f- funny and attractive people like the, uh, you know, like the cast of Critical oh, God, Role, yeah, yeah. you get, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Travis Willingham and uh, Joe uh, Manganiello sitting next to each other, calling themselves Jocks Machina, yeah, talking about how much they can lift and what the uh, what right the, what, the, what the, the the Sunday football game was, right, 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 you know, and then you get Vin Diesel joining in that, yeah, exactly, you know, and suddenly you don't have that image anymore when you have, uh, but the other thing too is the prevalence of. Um, uh, like LGBT uh, oh, people yeah. in, uh, in 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 uh, media now. Yep. Um, uh, the presence of women, especially in the hobby. 
Yeah. Um, you've got people like, De- like I said, Deborah Ann Wool. Yeah. Uh, running her own game on Geek and Sundry. Yep. Uh, Relics and Rarities. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you've got, uh, you know, Satine Phoenix who stepped mm-hmm. forward. Uh, the Critical Role cast is like half yeah. women. You know, I, I love that there's more women involved. Oh, I yeah. one hundred, well, at least more visually, absolutely, and that their storytelling isn't different. Mm-hmm. It's not lighter and fluffier. Yeah, you know, it's deeper in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. I mean, I, I've always found that to be a neat uh, thing that we can finally get to. And I think, that, I mean, there's a much larger discussion there about women in production. Period, getting yeah. a better place, and this being another little avenue that they've been able to step into and open it up. Like a pry bar and be like, hey, we're here. Yeah, absolutely. And we're making great content. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we, we always say representation matters so much. Exactly. Because exactly. when you don't see yourself represented in media, it sends that unspoken signal that you don't belong in that media. Correct. And so when you do see um, women such as, you know, Satine Phoenix, Laura Bailey, mm-hmm. Marisha Ray, Ashley Johnson, yeah. um, you know, and these are not small names no. either. You know, I mean, Laura Bailey winning winning award after award after award for video game voice acting. You yes. know, Ashley Johnson brought to fame by the, by playing uh, Elle in The Last of Us. Yeah, well, unbelievably. You know, she's been in several movies as mm-hmm. well. Um, she And uh, recently she just missed a huge chunk of the second campaign because she was busy filming the last season of Blind Spot on NBC. Yeah. You know? Sorry, a little busy with work. Yeah, whoops. Sorry. Whoopsie. You know, so I mean we're not we're not talking like some, you know, some some insignificant, you know, people here. These are famous, talented women in A- this movie. And actors in general. Yeah. And you've got people like Matt, who's not only been a voice actor, mm-hmm. an actor, a a producer, a director, you know, and done all that work, and he's sitting there as a DM. That says a lot for what he does for fun, but it mm-hmm. brings all of his professionalism to that stage. Yeah, yeah. That's like scary for someone – from someone who's never done anything before to look at that and say, I can't get to that level. Should I even try? Or worse yet, people who are coming to the table and expecting that level of of output, that level of creativity, that level of commitment, of voice acting, of – of character depth, of history, of things like that where mm-hmm. it all just interweaves perfectly. I mean it's like it's like uh, if Picasso lived in, in mainstream today and wanting to become an artist and if everybody's expecting you to paint a Picasso, why would you even start? Yeah. You yeah. know, how, how do you get close to that even? You know. But well, that's 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 that kind of brings me to one of my next points, which is the thing that we I think our long time ago talked about was yeah. this, and it wasn't an argument, but it was definitely a stanchion of of me stating that like yeah, I can see where these people are terrified. Yep. Yeah. But, no, absolutely. But you absolutely. flat out said one I, thing, and I will I, never forget. Go ahead and say it. And it, I've got it bolded yep. on our show sheet right yep. here. Walking right to it. Matt Mercer ain't shit. I know. I, okay. I, I, I'll fight you on that a little bit. Type. But <laughs> okay. But what what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying Matt Mercer isn't good. I I highly respect Matthew Mercer. I think I think he's brilliant. I aspire to be like him. Yes. But what I want to say to all of you out there, especially anybody listening to this podcast right now, or in the that, future, or or in the future. Well, I mean, if they're listening to it, they're listening to it now. Whatever That's now may be. Whatever now is. <laughs> um, but if you're listening to this podcast right now. And you're thinking, oh, God, I'll never be like Matt Mercer. I want to tell you right now, unequivocally, Matthew Mercer ain't shit. And by what by that, I mean he's not doing anything you can't. 
Right. Now, he might do it at a higher skill level. Right. Okay. He has years of DMing experience. He has years of professional acting training. His, you know, he does accents for a living. He's yeah. a professional voice actor. Okay. So, no, you may not be able to do a perfect Scottish accent at the drop of a hat when you need to do that for a, for an NPC or something like that. But nothing's stopping you from doing accents. No, not at all. Nothing's stopping you from in your off time when you're just riding alone in your car and there's nobody to embarrass yourself in front of. Practice your accents. You know, <laughs> I, I will openly admit to doing that myself. Technolich wants a a single soundbite of you saying that Matt Mercer ain't shit this on its own. <laughs> Technolich, listen and listen good. Matt Mercer ain't shit. There you go. There you go. There's there's a soundbite. Um, but it's but true. He, I I have come to understand where you're from. He does everything that we do right. every week. He puts he puts background music in there. You know what? There's tons of free music that's available online. Go out to YouTube. Enjoy yourself. Exactly. Not on YouTube. Like I've got mine through Google Play Music. If you've got Apple iTunes and stuff like that, and then you've got those tools there. that we're talking about where you can literally mix it live. Yeah. And that's fantastic. Where you can add you can add in ambiance. You can add mm-hmm. in you know fire. You can add in screams if you want to for a firefight. Whatever. What? Even if you want to go old school, like even if you don't have a budget for it, and all you've got is like an old CD. Player or something Do like it. that. Grab, grab a movie soundtrack and just sure. put it on track four from whatever movie you know movie exactly. has a dramatic spooky music in it. Exactly, and put that on repeat in the background. That at least adds a, adds a little ambience. Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping you from you know making props. Mm-mm. You know, a, a printer and a font that looks like handwriting instantly yeah. gets you a handwritten letter. Yep. You know, in in old medieval style, you can burn the edges of it or tea stain it or something sure. like that to make it look like there's a lot of stuff you can do. Miniatures are become very accessible. Even if you're not so. like 3D printing them, you know, or anything like that, you can you can get like, you know, cardboard cutout ones. Uh the Reaper Bones miniatures are oh, exceptionally God, so. accessible. I mean, for prevalent 20 bucks and at, very cheap. Yeah, 20 bucks at any gaming store if you're doing D&D stuff, you can pick up D&D minis, mm-hmm. painted, finished minis. Yeah. For 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 20 bucks will get you like eight minis. Yeah, absolutely. It's nothing. I just saw an entire goblin village for like 60 bucks. Like everything. I'm talking all structures, creatures, 100 percent, everything completely done for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like – I mean that would have cost a lot more to do manually without yep. a doubt. But all this stuff is an add-on to a good story. Yeah. That has, it has nothing else. And in that sense, that isn't any different. It isn't. That doesn't change. It isn't. And, you know, even even stuff like the terrain, like if, if you guys have been watching on Instagram, you've been seeing the uh, the stuff that I've been posting about uh, the terrain that I was making for my last game uh, for this for this last weekend um, and the miniatures that I was that I was painting up for that. And again, like when we started, even even my game when we started, yeah, I wasn't putting this level of, of effort into it. I went out to Office Max or Office Depot or Staples or whatever your your current, you know, nearby office supply store is. Right. You can get these 24 by 36 pads of paper that have a 1-inch grid on them. They're used for like presentations and drawing graphs for like corporate people. Yeah, like right? the the 3M sheets. But they're a drawable pad with a 1-inch grid. What does that sound like, guys? Terrain. Get yourself a pack of Crayola markers. And like I said, this is what our first like probably 10 game sessions were. Yeah. 
was me drawing on that before yep. I started making some actual terrain out of. And you still go back to it. Yeah. I mean, I still have my basic battle mat, the one yeah. that I hand draw on when I need to squeeze something out. Like, oh, you guys are in a town here. Let me yeah, draw this a, real quick. To a $20 vinyl battle mat that you yeah. picked up at the hobby store. Yeah, and another like, 10 bucks in markers. Yeah, yeah. And then Crayola washable markers will yep. wash off of it with a squirt of Windex and a, and a paper towel. You got it. Just don't let them set for too long. Yeah. So. But yeah, that, I mean, realistically, the costs are not high to do some good stuff to make an adventure be, feel like an adventure. Exactly. And this is all stuff that Matt does. Mm-hmm. The background music, the accents, the, yeah. the, the, the miniatures, the terrain. It's all it, – you, you decide your own level of involvement, but nothing is stopping you from putting those things in there. Right. Other than, honestly, staring at them and getting intimidated. But and that's a real thing. That's a valid no, thing. I think the intimidation is the part that that I that I was really addressing. Mm-hmm. Is that is is he doing justice to everyone by you know by this seeming to be an intimidation factor? Because now you've got to meet this quote unquote level, and I I think that's always been there. I think in some ways, no matter what the medium, no matter what the story, no matter what mm-hmm. the system, there has always been a feeling of intimidation going into it. But I think that's – I think it's made more so sometimes yeah. by the celebrities doing this. But we always have to remember that the celebrity of anything makes it intimidating. Mm-hmm. I mean I actually – I started this discussion uh, with my mom of all people and said, did you feel that the advent of more uh, more gritty uh, health shows, a.k.a. ER – you know, or things like that, where you had these people showing off their medical chops. Mm-hmm. You know, actors showing off medical chops in series. Like, did that change the way people were doing nursing? Did it? Did it? Did it make them feel less like they could do things? And she said, "No, I don't think it changed them, but it definitely changed the outsider's perspective of what happens in a hospital. Mm-hmm. That there was always miracles. That there were always people who could just come out. Like, there's that one surgeon who works at that one hospital. Why don't you get him? Why don't you get House? House will know what's wrong with right, me. You right. guys clearly don't know. We need a better person. Like, House is fictional. That ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. certain rules that that are just gonna be the truth right now. Uh, I I I heard tell that um, CSI did that the exact same thing for yeah. uh, for criminal investigation. Oh, as totally. Well, where you know, there's just some things that just there just isn't the evidence to put together. There just isn't the you know the the. the uh, well, I, you know, the evidence basically, you know, to be able to solve crimes. Some – a lot of crimes just go unsolved and people don't understand why you don't just, you know, scan it into a computer and do a search on the internet and boom, you've enhanced the picture. And right. in three days' time, you've exactly caught that villain with a, you know, picture-perfect proof that you can nail him in court with. And we're not even going to get into what they do to – uh, IT side of things where you're tracking people with IPs and bouncing it through multiple networks to trace them down to whatever with high graphics and this yeah. weird like intricate you know 3D hacking things that they do. Mm-hmm. Anybody who works in IT will know that's nothing but layered bullshit. <laughs> but I mean to, to to make it a point, it it is intimidating. But even I agree with Knox and and a few things is that the there's nothing that we can't do and I think there's a lot of things that have grown by this. Like you had made a note in here uh, for us to talk about the marketplace mm-hmm. and I think that was a huge advantage to everyone. 
I mean, you step out. We we have Hero Forge, which came out of the woodwork. Oh yeah, and is now huge. I mean, now that you can go and basically make minis, and that you can, if you have a three D printer, which ain't shit these days to get your hands on. Oh right, yeah. I mean, it's literally cheaper than most things you can think of. Yeah, well, you know, three three four hundred bucks. I think, yeah, at, I, at the, at the I most? just saw one for one seventy five. Oh my god, yeah. I know. I mean, its resolution wasn't incredible, and its output was exceptionally slow. But you know what? But so, you can make your own damn toys, and that is rich yeah. right there. Uh, uh, somebody was mentioning uh, – I think it was Knox was mentioning that Hero Forge was actually just uh, announced a Kickstarter for um, – I'm, so, I'm sorry. I have to take a pause. Sam's all your exes live in hexes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, that is more than true when it comes to MechWarrior and Battletech. I'll leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, moment, uh, of, moment of moment but, of silence for all those headshot mechs. <laughs> Please continue. Uh, but uh, yeah, someone was just mentioning in the uh, in the live chat here. That, uh, yeah, it was a Knox was mentioning that Hero Forge is uh, announcing a Kickstarter for painted yeah, minis for yeah. full color minis. Yeah, I mean, at first I was just like, oh god, you're 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 removing our aspect of being able to paint. That like, hey, you got this mini now. You better paint that damn thing. I don't care if it's with Crayola mm-hmm. or you dip the whole thing in something and you work it out. No. I have respect for the fact that they're doing because there's a lot of people who can't. And the one thing that hit me square in the face when I was looking at that and thinking, oh, no, you know, it's ruining something. There's a lot of people who can't paint. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. They Maybe they're chromatically challenged because they just don't have the sight to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have issues with their hands where they can't be as fine because I was – I literally showed off my model to someone who's never done painting board and they're like, how do you paint something smaller than your thumb? Yeah. And I was like – very carefully. <laughs> and then I realized, I was like, I am really blessed that I don't have a shaky hand. Yeah. Because I know artists who do. Like literally legitimately know a friend whose wife has very shaky hands. She does artistry. But t- trying to do a mini? I, I want to I wanna actually address that. Yeah. Um. So we, we were spending a lot of time talking about Critical Role. Um, one of the other shows that they have on their channel is uh, called Mini Primetime. And Mini Primetime is uh, it's hosted by Will Friedell of uh, Boy Meets World fame, actually. But he was uh, he guest starred on uh, Critical Role, okay, um, season one especially. He had one of the more famous guest characters. Gotcha. Um, but regardless, though, he's a friend of the show, and so he does this mini mini painting primetime thing. Uh, right, right. He does, and it's largely a comedy show, but they do do like funny, you know, sure. or, or, or uh, actual honest goodness painting things. Right. Tell us and Jaffe. Um, who plays uh, Molly Mock Tea Leaf, uh, uh, Caduceus Clay, and uh, uh, Fr- Percival Frederickstein von Mieso-Kowalski Dorello III. Jesus. In the, yes, in the first <laughs> campaign, um, has an essential tremor. Oh, wow. And so they invited him on the show to do the fine detail episode. Oh, my God. And the very first thing they did was they showed him how to handle his tremor with regards to painting. And it was as simple as wrapping a rubber band around his wrist okay and then folding three of his fingers in okay and then wrapping the other half of the rubber band around his fingers and bracing his hand to his wrist oh and it it took like 80 percent of the shake out of his hand that's fantastic and then with his other two fingers he was able to just hold the paintbrush and i mean just watching Tallison go like oh my god I can paint. Like I can paint. Why did nobody tell me about this? You know. But that's that's fantastic that they were able to help in that way, yeah. and then show that help Absolutely. to so many people. And I thought it was really, really super important to show to to make those sort of things accessible. Right. You know, I um I have a friend actually who uh, uh, had um uh, some medical trouble. He actually had an aneurysm that Ooh. he he survived. Um, yeah. 
Luckily, he's still with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we were painting up 40K miniatures, Warhammer yep. miniatures before that. And, uh, you know, after that, he just he couldn't. He couldn't it. keep his hand steady enough yeah. to paint, and it's yeah. a, it was a real big disappointment to him. So, oh, I you bet. Know, uh, especially you know, if, if if you are listening, Ed, you know, do do try, try that. that. Yeah, give it a, a try. We'll put the link up there. And uh, I've actually still got your miniatures, so just ask for them. We'll give them right back. There you go. There you go. You you, you can always try. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just having Hero Forge be able to paint Dwarven Forge. I mean, some of the other uh, things that have come forward uh, that I think are even more interesting than just minis, people have come up with 2D uh, minis. More so now where you got your little cardstock and you just pop them out. Oh, yeah. And now you have skeletons. Yeah. People have come up with some amazingly beautiful art for those. Oh, I've been astounded have. with how like cool 2D art can come mm-hmm. out. And, and again, again, they're just super as good. accessible. Super accessible. Super accessible. You want to put 40 skeletons out there for everyone to see? Boom. There you go. Oh, God. I might do that next time I need a horde of undead. Honestly. I don't want to paint 40 skeletons. Ske- no, I lied. I you do, do want to paint 40 skeletons. And you have 40 skeletons to paint. Let's I have be honest. 40 skeletons. I have a box of uh, – Games Workshop Toon Kings <laughs> sitting in my basement that a friend gave me. Thank you, Knox. Hopefully you guys can inspire us to keep painting because <laughs> I have way too many minis too as oh, well. No, but... I was I was actually just telling uh, telling Rob at dinner that uh, my, my goal for my campaign because because this is one of the, the – uh, Knox mentioned earlier and I, I'll, I'll segue back into sure, this because sure. I did want to bring this, this, this comment to, to highlight as well. Um, mentioned that you know everybody kind of brings something they love to the game. Right. And so it's, it's a very broad art form. Um, and allows us to express the things that we love to do, you know, yeah. even more so. Yeah. I love painting and crafting. You know, I may not tell the most intricate story in the world. I may not have the best accents. I may not, you know, I'm sure I'm sure I do just fine in those aspects. But what I really love doing is the painting, the miniatures, and putting out a vibrant visual landscape for you guys. Right. Um, you know, so Which hence, you do amazingly, well, without thank question. Thank you. Um, but uh, – uh, I, I've, I've kind of made myself the promise that I would always have painted minis on my table. And so I – and it, what it does is it keeps me in the hobby because if I don't force myself to do that, I'll just play video games all day, you know? Right. Um, and so you guys are at a point in my campaign where you could go in like four different directions and to be able to be ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> That is a problem. I I need to paint like eighteen different miniatures between now and next game, and that does not include uh, other people's characters from other games that are now kicking back in, in mm-hmm. full swing. Mm-hmm. I went from being a lone storyteller waiting to become a player. Matthew's Mars- Mouse Guard game was definitely yep. a good uh, a good uh, thing for that, but all of a sudden now I'm in three different D and D games. Yeah. Two of which my boyfriend is running and one you are running on yep. top of Mouse Guard. Yep. Every weekend is going to be gaming for me and I don't know what to do with that. But it's everybody's a, back into it. Blessing and a curse. Now, to talk to that just a little bit that everybody's back into it, you had brought up one more thing last night or tonight and that was the personalities at the table. And yes, I agree that – uh, even in that Matt Mercer state uh, um, Reddit thread mm-hmm. had elements of that where people were literally playing characters from Critical Role. Yeah. They just were changing the name slightly, making it a minor adjustment, but effectively playing the exact same tiefling that was mm-hmm. in Critical Role. And I'm not – you and I both agree mimicry has always been there. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you were saying when R.A. Salvatore comes out with another book, 
There's always another person grabbing the character out of that and another dark elf. Oh, this one's a good dark elf who dual wields and has a panther companion, but it's totally not Drist Orden. Nope, nope, nope. But again, every video game that ever has ever come out in a fantasy setting, if you try three weeks into playing that game, Mm -hmm. put in Drizzt's name in any number of spellings, you're not going to get it. Why? Because someone's using that name and somebody's playing that character. So I assure you, any storytellers out there who who, who have their players bringing sad mimicries of critical role characters to the table this ain't nothing new no that that isn't even the matthew mercer effect i would i would dare call that the ra salvatore effect or the lord of the rings effect or the lord of the rings effect you know, or the final fantasy effect, effect or yeah. the yeah any number of things and honestly i don't ever see a problem with that i think it's a good thing for us to pull from other fantasy genres and other things like that oftentimes 7c is littered with replicas and mimics um, when people want to play, well, I'm going to be playing this character like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. That's fantastic. It, it gives people who can't immediately attach themselves to a background mm-hmm. something easy to follow. A, a goalpost to aim for at yeah. least. Um, and I, I think that's important too for like especially new players yeah. to have an archetype to try to emulate. So right. that way when you do – because you you know as a new player, you're not you're not really into like – you're not practiced at being in character. Correct. You know, so at least if you can give yourself a character and say, I'm just going to try to be like that character Correct. that I already know and can already empathize with and, and can already, you know, scope out the motivations. Right. Of. Like, what would Batman do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's funny and they've it's cr- critical role people have done it too. What would Paul Atreides do? His name is a killing word. Oh, Jesus. Right? I remember that game. That was hilarious. <laughs> It took me about five minutes of him explaining his character, and then I was like, oh, no, he's the name of the small mouse-shaped shadow in the moon. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Pablo Atreides. God damn it. Yep. But at the same time, like, it's funny. It's easy uh-huh. to – I mean, Chris and I and Steve and Earl, when we went down to Gen Con, literally troped up all of our characters. What was it? The, the A-team was We did one the of A-team yep. for one of them, which yep. was hilarious. And mm-hmm. then we did Ghostbusters for the other one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters. And we literally made fun of the names. We did, But we didn't tell the DMs until we were done. Uh-huh. And the Ghostbusters one went over the best because when we got done with that one, the four of us said it to the, the storyteller. And he was like, oh, my God, I now see all of the jokes you guys laid out in front of – oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's you guys funny. were solid. And the other player who was with us, I think we had one or two other players who were with us. Yeah. It was a dungeon crawl. Sure. And there was a ghost involved in it. And uh-huh. It was fantastic. And we still did everything by the book of D&D, but we were basically playing the Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. you know, except we were relic hunters, you know? Yeah. You know, and people were dropping the, that that should be in a museum and, right. you know, stuff like that. And he didn't catch it until the very end when he finally, like, we laid out everything for him. Yep. But – that kind of stuff can be a lot of fun, especially for one shots where like you really don't get a lot of time to do character development. Mm-hmm. You don't think about it. It's good to attach to something you know. Sure. So why not accept yeah. it? Roll with it. Exactly. You know. I, I think though it's important. Um, and you know we, we talked about like session zeros. Yeah. And setting proper expectations before your game ever gets off the ground, though, and yep. I think that's where where that comes in because. It's one thing to just kind of walk into a fun, lighthearted one shot and play the Ghostbusters. Uh, right. You know, in D&D form. But it's another when you try to do that to maybe a storyteller who's laid out like a really serious campaign that's going to deal with some heavy stuff and be kind of grim and gritty, you know, and then and you're there playing, you know, Ray Stance from, you know, from the Ghostbusters. And they're right. like, OK, well, 
Why are this? you here? Why are you here? You're not taking this seriously. And it can lead to some hurt feelings. So, yeah. you know, definitely this is this is kind of where the importance of a session zero comes in is that when your characters have that opportunity to come to you and say, OK, this is the character I want to bring in. You have the opportunity to say, I don't know if this is going to fit the story. Right. Or if, of course, it is a, you know, a remake of a Critical Role character or right. another Drista Warden right. or it is just a thinly veiled Aragorn from uh, Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to kind of say, maybe can we can make we, some adjustments? Yeah, can we make some adjustments? Can we flush this character out in, in a more unique direction a little bit more? You know, or even just tie it more into the game. Because, again, mm-hmm. you don't want to remove all of the role-playing capabilities of a player who doesn't know how to role-play yet. Giving them a uh, a guideline, a post. Sure, you know? And I think sure. D&D does a good job with its backgrounds, mm-hmm. which really help you kind of flush things out that way. 7C has uh, a whole background system that it put in as well. That yeah. Basically, you don't have to come up with anything. The game will give you your history mm-hmm. and your connections and why you feel the way you do. Uh, D&D Beyond goes a little bit deeper with traits and flaws and things like that. Um that can be randomized. So if you don't feel comfortable with making a character, you have that. Plus, there's plenty of online tools where you can literally say, I would like to make a random character. And you hit a button and it literally is just like your character is was born in the – you know was born to wolves in a cave after your parents <laughs> died in the Great War. Boom. Mm-hmm. There you go. Don't like this character? Hit the button again. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I, I think isn't it like it's something like fuck your D and D character or something like that. Uh, it's it's something like that. It's it, it's one of those ones that laces a bunch of curse words into it to make it funny. Yeah, yeah. and it's hilarious. But it honestly, if you're if you have no idea what to play, it's hit like, that about four or five times and boom. I I can't I can't argue that it is kind of effective. It uh, is exceptionally yeah. effective, and I think that I mean there's. There's nothing to say that you can't make a, a wholly unique character that has six pages of history. But when you bring six pages of history to a storyteller, now they have to figure out how they're going to incorporate that. And then the worst part is when you have five players where all of them have rich, unbelievably deep stories in a world that they're completely unfamiliar with. You said it wrong. If you're going to say in a world, you have to you – know. In a world. Yeah, there you go. Okay. You know. But uh, yeah. <laughs> in a world, in a world. Where everybody has backstories. One man, one story. <laughs> one storyteller can't quite figure out what he's going to do. I mean but that's the truth. It's, 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 it's tragic as a storyteller to be like, how am I going to incorporate all of this insanity? <laughs> Nox is going to play a world-famous gazebo hunter. <laughs> oh, geez, the gazebo. So many, so many dead gazebos in the world. Uh, Sam, reply, reply in chat if you haven't heard the gazebo story because I know you're new. You're new here, and uh, I, I love, I love that you are fresh blood in our pool so of old much, school people. So much, I think it's fantastic. Because uh, I would love to tell you the gazebo story. Uh, either oh, here on the... has not, has not heard. Okay, uh, do we want to do this on the air or do we want to do this on Discord? Uh, it's like half past. Um, we got time for the gazebo story. You could throw the gazebo story down. All right, so let's do this thing. And this is a true story. This is honestly um, true. Oh God, God, God! I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up paraphrasing a lot of many it, moon lot of the, come shakta. Yes, many, <laughs> many, many moons ago, um, there was a and D game, and uh, the storyteller was uh describing this is back in like in the very dungeon crawly, you know, days of Dungeons and Dragons, sieging so, castles, crawling dungeons. You know, everything you encounter was an enemy, sort of, yeah. sort of thing, right? Right. Okay, so. Understanding that that was the mood set for the game, this is this is where we're going. Okay? Right. So the uh, the the players are being narrated through a a castle of some sort, and they go out into a courtyard. 
Yeah. The rather large courtyard. Storyteller describes that in the center of the courtyard is a large gazebo. And the players become very confused by this. Scared, in fact. Like, a gazebo? How big is it? Well, it's, I don't know, 12 feet tall? 12 feet tall? My goodness. How wide is it? I don't know, probably another 12 feet. Like 12, it's 15 feet, yeah. 12, 15 feet wide. Like, my goodness. I don't know if we can defeat that. It's huge. They're like, And the what? storyteller's like, it's a gazebo. And they're like, I know. All right. How are we going to handle this, folks? And the, the, the ranger of the group says, all right, well, I knock an arrow and I fire it at the gazebo. He's like, okay. He's like, do I hit it? I'm like, I don't know. Roll to hit. Dice hit the table. Yeah, I, I got a 37 to hit. I'm like, all right. Yeah, you hit it. What happens? Nothing. It's a gazebo. He's like, my God, how powerful is this thing? Exactly. That was a plus three arrow. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Not, of course, realizing that this was not a monster. It yep. was just a wooden structure. <laughs> yep. Didn't even phase them. One of them was like, I'm going to get some gazebo hide armor because that thing could take a plus three arrow. Right. <laughs> and so this is just one of those old wives, you know, but, an old wives tale, but it no. was a true story. It's honestly happened. Dead uh, ale wives story. <laughs> yeah. That they, they, they goes, they goes, goes around D&D circles. So now you've been in, you've been, been uh, indoctrinated. Yeah, you've been uh, you've yeah. been brought into the circle. You've heard the gazebo story, yeah, but or, it was or, a plus three arrow. <laughs> yeah, or, or shooting uh, uh, shooting bolts into the uh, magic missiles into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So, there's lots of stories to tell, Sam. So welcome to the welcome yeah, to the club. Well, welcome to the club, and we're sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think the uh, I think the overarching feeling that I've gotten out of the Mercer effect or celebrity D and D is that it has brought a lot of things to light. Um, yeah. Con- conventions like Gary Con, which was small back in the day. Oh right, God, you know, it's gonna be mobbed. No, it, you can't get in. Yeah. You can't even buy tickets for it anymore because you've got so many celebrities doing spots. And you, oh, you want you have a, your own channel, your own podcast, your mm-hmm. own you know. Star- Sorry, you have to buy airtime there. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's insane. Like they 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 are they're being very sticklers about things like that, and it's kind of weird. But look, look at what happened on YouTube too, and I mean, this is this is it's oh, some, yeah. it's just great, honestly, because there's just dozens of YouTube channels out there now dedicated to all sorts of aspects of the hobby, where you've got uh, you know crafters like Black Magic Craft, oh, God, yeah. um, DM Scotty, uh, you know, uh, uh, names are escaping me right now. You're I fine, yeah, yeah. Them down, but um, you, you, all them. Walk, talking about how to make your own tabletop terrain, your own, you know, buildings and bridges and, uh, you know, fire effects out of hot glue and paint yeah. and stuff like that. You've got um, people it, like uh, like uh, uh, Jordan, um, the PH Asylum, Jorfton, yeah. uh, as I like to call him, um, who does like l- deep lore videos dis- dissecting like aspects of the Forgotten Realms and oh, breaking God, them down yeah. for you. He's just – he's amazing. He's got a really great speaking voice. Um, you've got uh, channels like Matthew Colville yeah, um, who does all sorts of great like storytelling breakdowns. Um, uh, Brennan St. Uh, uh, Mulligan, Brennan Mulligan um, who does uh, – who's uh, Dimension 20. I uh, does Adventuring Academy, which is a large inspiration for us making this podcast in the first place. Yeah, exactly. All of this stuff is out there as – you know, critical or as 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 uh, content for Dungeons and Dragons and other storytelling, you know, medium. 
yeah. other role-playing games. And then you've got crossover stuff. So now you've got the train people, mm-hmm. you know, who did, you know, O and H gauge trains yeah. are coming forward and showing that they can like, oh, here's how you can do water terrain. Right. And here's how you can do building terrain real simple. Yeah, usually know. we do these like high quality multi-thousand dollar dioramas that look photorealistic. But today we're going to make a 40K gaming table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and but that's not what they did in the past. Right. You've got um, and and there's tons of them. There's so many. And then on top of that, you've got the people who are doing cosplay, showing that they can do you know what you can do with warbler and with foam. Oh yeah, to make other kinds of terrain or to how to make other dioramas. Like I watched someone do like they were talking about how to do uh, scale mail and how they got like the print to be just right. Mm-hmm. And there was like you know we could use that for doing walls. You know, huge sections of walls for a yep. castle. Yeah. And they just did another video. They're like, you know, we never thought about doing it this way, but I'm going to work with this other person, this other YouTube crafter. Mm-hmm. And they made a whole freaking castle with castling and castle walls using warbler and foam. Oh, yeah. And I looked at them and they, it, it took them like 20 minutes to paint. Yep. And it was like they were done and they were like this. I've never even thought about using my craft for this, but this is great. And here but that, it's that crossing a genre, getting all those people back together again. And again, so I think it opened up a it lot. accessible, you know. Oh, so much so. Absolutely. I mean, I literally was just paging through my things to learn uh, on YouTube. I literally just save stuff away. Sure. You know, and it's all these little hacks like real train hobbies is the guy who does all of the like ins and keeps. But he does it out of little bits of wood and cardboard and he does the entire build from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're done looking at it with the paint and everything they're done, you're like – that would have been like a $700 piece to buy at a store or, you know, you know, Dwarven Forge, you know, would have been like a $200 piece. Yeah. Unpainted. Yeah. And here it is finished and you're like, I could do that or part of that. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. One, one, one trip to Michael's and 30 bucks later and you've got, you know, you've got the appropriate stuff to do this. And yeah. chemists who would never have thought that they had anything to do are now – are, are chiming in on the proper way to gauge resins and their timing and things like that for 3D printers because that's a technology that, they, that they've known about. Yep. You know, these rapid production people are able to step up and bring their chops to the table and say like, hey, guys, I know you've been doing this for a while. But at the same time, like this is, this is my job. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. So I, I love that, that all that stuff is coming forward and the, the energy and the build behind it has been really good. It is. Good. I, I would say probably about 50 percent of the content that I watch on YouTube nowadays is hobby-related like that. Like it's it's just – So much of it comes up for me automatically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. But yeah. You, YouTube just knows me now. It's just like, OK, yeah, you're just – here's just like a bunch of D&D stuff and a bunch of video game stuff. Like, yeah. What what are you playing right now? Arc Survival? OK, cool. Yeah. So here's 50 percent Arc and 50 percent <laughs> yeah. D&D. It's funny how many times so, I have to refresh it if I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to watch this kind of stuff. So I'm just – refresh, refresh. I'm not in the mood for this. I'm like, OK, here we go. Now I'm going to watch Watch this. You right, know? <laughs> right. Here's something off the wall. All right, fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's just – the community is very large. It's wonderful to see. It's wonderful to, to feel. And I think the dissension and the problems are drifting. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting really low. It's hard, to, it's hard to hit all of the targets. You know, before it was like this had a Facebook group or that had a YouTube channel or Geek and Sundry was an easy target. Oh, yeah. Now there's thousands of channels. Yeah. And hundreds of creators and dozens of of places on the internet and mounds and mounds of stores and Etsy shops. I mean, I didn't know how many Etsy shops there were for getting custom art done at the prices that I've seen. But I have to say some of the stuff that I've seen hitting our Discord so far is making me like so excited about getting stuff done because I was terrified. Yeah. But like we saw the one piece that hit Reddit 
that the person had done that was a freaking painting. Mm-hmm. And that thing blew my effing mind. Oh, I know. And now you can't touch that artist. They're literally booked out through like two years. Yeah. Yeah. Like they had nothing and now they're booked for two years. Yep. You know, and that's just going to become more – and that's great for the artists. Mm-hmm. Those are those are people who need that and I think deserve every dollar of Absolutely. That. Absolutely. And, and I'm sorry. Right now, this is the this is the place to invest. You're yeah. getting enjoyment out of it. Do it. And this is like like I said, it kind of comes back around to you know everybody brings what they love to the hobby. You know yeah. your crafters are are bringing out their a game for crafting. Yeah. Your costumers are bringing out their a games for costuming. Yeah. Your painters, your your I mean even your chemists, you yeah. know, are trying to figure out how to up their D and D game by making the perfect miniatures out of you know out of out of resins and stuff. Yeah, like that, you know, just or coming up with new ways because I mean we had Hertz Arts for the longest time was oh, yeah, the Hertz best Arts, way yeah. to do blocked walls and things like that, and mm-hmm. now you've got people who are coming up with. Elaborate ways not only to use 3D printers to build walls and stuff, but to box it so that you can get a complete castle in a one foot by like five inch by eight inch box shipped to you and you pull it out of the box and literally it snaps together. And that just that, – that stuff blows my mind. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> blows my mind. Yeah. Did, did you see this comment by Knox? What was that? I commissioned a Knox plushie too. It's coming. I'm just going to say this. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. Yeah, that better that better show up as picks on this because the and where you did it like that. But that's that's again it's rapid prototyping. People are just doing things. Also, next time I see you in person, uh, I I I demand you bring that along so that I can hug it. Oh, there you go, there you go. Because Knox needs a hug. Always, always. Mm. All right, do you want to hit some questions? I do. Okay, I do. So Mad Elf asks. What do you do to avoid getting burned out in storytelling? Now, (laughs) we (laughs) we are going to be doing an episode. Actually, our next episode Mm -hmm. is going to be about that. So we are not forgetting about you, Matt. We are totally bringing you along for this next episode. We're also kind of white knuckling this one because, I mean, really, what what do we do? (laughs) You know, I get burned out. I've been burned out. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to this. There's, there's a whole thing to unpack here. I feel like it's going to be a therapy session. It is going to be so. It is going to be an on-the-air therapy session for us. It's going to be good to go through. OK. OK. Um, so I'm going to say that we jump to Knox's question. OK. Because I need a minute to get my head around the technologist's question again. Yep, so, yep, yep. Um, so I'm going to throw this one at you a little bit. Uh, many different uh, tabletop games have been showcased in uh, – Critical Role cast, also Geek and Sundry. But none seem to have caught as much as 5th edition. Joe attributes this to 5th edition being streamlined and more accessible. Do we agree? Yeah, I I think so. Um, I mean, I think uh, Dungeons and Dragons has two things going for it. Um, One, that it's uh, probably like it's the household name for role-playing games. Totally. Um, You know, I mean, you talk about like like Band-Aids. You know, I mean, Band-Aid is a brand name. Xerox is a brand name. You know, Kleenex is a brand name. People don't say that they do role-playing. They say they do D&D. Yeah, right. Even if it's not D&D. Or like if you do say you play role-playing, you're like, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be playing Pathfinder. People kind of give you that blank stare and you're like, it's Dungeons and Dragons. And they're like, oh, "Oh, yeah, 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 right. So – I mean, I think I think that's that's half of its success. But I also do think that, yeah, I mean, I think I don't think Joe Manganiello is 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 wrong in that fifth edition is a very accessible, um, very friendly system. Uh, and you know, when when uh, when Sean and I started watching, um, started watching Critical Role, uh, we actually didn't have any idea that fifth edition was a thing. Right. And. Uh, we we actually thought it was fourth edition because I didn't even know fourth fifth edition had come out. That's how disenchanted disenchanted with with Dungeons Dragons I was. Wow. I'd stepped away uh, long enough that I didn't even know an entire edition happened. <laughs> That's and, telling. That is telling. 
So they're playing and I and I like it just in the course of watching the game, right. I was like, I kind of understand what's going on with the rules. Like this is right. interesting. What are they playing? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, found out it was fifth edition, looked up a couple of videos online of just how to play it. And I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. It's so simple and streamlined and accessible and newbie friendly. And I mean, instantly I was right back into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I think for me, I would have to say that I see it from more of a publishing standpoint. Yeah. They've done such a good job that I traveled around the country when I was working uh, for seven years. And so sometimes I would stop into game stores or bookstores just for dice and see, you know, what kind of things that they had and mm-hmm. stuff like that in these, you know, sometimes podunk towns. Um, every time, every time I was in a store, I would see D&D. I may not see anything else, but I would always see D&D. And you can find D&D in libraries. Oh, yeah. Like it has been around so long. And it has become such a household name that even the smallest places know to have D and D. I was reading a, a Reddit thread recently um, where there's a uh, there's a dungeon master in uh, in in prison learning to uh, teach inmates uh, how to play D and D. How to play D and D? Yeah, God, that's actually really cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of therapeutic pieces in that, and 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 escape, which is beautiful, yeah. like in its own. Exactly. So. Exactly. No, that's I mean, that's really cool. It's really ubiquitous. Yeah. So. so I I would agree that it's it is the accessibility of it, and I think the accessibility from both aspects of. It is not a challenge to get into it. Mm-hmm. And now, especially with like the starter kits that they've got, they've made it really easy. And they've they've done the th- same thing Monopoly did where they've started to franchise a little bit because yeah. now you have like the Rick and Morty one, which I did get for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I will be running a one-shot because it, it actually comes with an adventure. But it's things like that that are making it accessible to people who are just at the fringe, yeah. you know, who have been interested in it like um, – uh, and cartoons love playing with it as well. Oh yeah, like sure. I, I I was watching um, uh, uh, geez, now of uh, one of my favorite shows, and now I've completely lost it. Uh, Gravity Falls mm-hmm. has D and D in it. Oh yeah, and uh, it it's it's clearly a joke on every piece of it, but it's fantastic, and you can follow it, and people get interested through that, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think that's wonderful. You'd mentioned Stranger Things earlier. Oh god, yeah, that. that's mean, that's so. that's the E T of today. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that was the ET where everybody's just like, hey, what's that thing that they're playing? Mm-hmm. Like, I wanna, I wanna get in on that, and that's just another franchise opportunity that they stepped in on and and took off. Yeah. So yeah, you know. But I would also say that I think um, it'd be it's going to be interesting to see how Shadowrun and Cyberpunk pick up after this new game comes out. You know, that's not a bad point actually. It, 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 I think that follow-up is going to be interesting to see where that leads to because that's going to open up again a lot of the things we talked about earlier where we're going to get people who are going to want to play those characters. Well, that's that's true. But I mean like I, I, I could be wrong here. I mean I'm, I'm, a, I'm a terrible nerd for even asking this question. No. But isn't Cyberpunk 2077 a role-playing game, game oh, already? Yeah. Like, it is. It is. You know, so – I mean it's it, it's interesting that you ask, you know, I'm wondering if there's going to be an uptick in Shadowrun because of Cyber, Cyberpunk exactly. 2077. But is wouldn't, Cyberpunk wouldn't 2077 going to be stamped? Right. And the answer is <laughs> if it's accessible. It's if it's accessible, yeah. I and suppose. that I think that's going to be the big key. Is is that is that accessibility there? Is it something we're going to see people step into and mm-hmm. have fun with or are we just going to see a lot more cyberpunk game styles? Is somebody going to be coming up with a uh an adventure that cyberpunk are wrapped around a D&D system, mm-hmm. you know, and is that going to take off instead? And right, I think right. that's just going to be a matter of how it hits. Okay. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So uh, Technolich asked last week, what is your favorite campaign 
and what made it that. And I I had a really hard time last week kind of coming to grips with what I meant yeah, you, by that. Yeah, you, you kind of skipped on that one. You were like – Because know, I wasn't a, sure about – It's a big question. Is it my campaign like that I've ran mm-hmm. or is it the campaigns that I've been in? Right. Because I think the campaigns that I've ran – I, I would say Seventh Sea, the the one the, where you guys were adult adventures and at the original Heroes adventure that yep. I had, yep. um, because I just loved the characters. I fell in love with all the characters and all the things you guys did. Mm-hmm. It seemed like every week you guys were doing something funny and playing with your characters more and integrating more with each other, and it felt like a sitcom more than anything else. <laughs> and so for me, that was fantastic. It was a great adventure. Oh yeah, I, I wanted yeah. that to go on forever. Um, I think for something I played in, it, and it's terrible to say this, but I played a game of Game of Vampire where it was playing our contemporary selves, and the DM told me, you know, I came into the game late, and everybody yeah. else is already in, and he said, "Hey, play, you're playing yourself," and I, I'll make your stats up. And I went, "Are you joking?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> we're, we're playing ourselves." And then you get turned into a vampire, and I'm like, "So what do I know?" And he's like, "Well, you know what you know," and I'm like. Well, I know a lot about vampire and werewolf and right. Mage like, I've, I've read all the source books right. here. So I mean, I'm not that deep, but like, I went through Dark Ages. Yeah. I played some contemporary stuff. I'm like, we're not doing anything weird. He's like, no, no, all that's legit. I'm like, okay, okay. So you I me all that. That's fine. I ripped that game a new a hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was bad. Some of the things that I did in that game, um, because one of the things that uh certain clan has, which is Ravenos, is that you can create things, anything mm. your mind can come up with because you believe that it's real. Well, mechanically, I know it has to work because I've read the book, so I know how the mechanics work. Uh-huh. So there's never a point that I don't believe that it's real. <laughs> so I so basically ridiculous. just ruined my way through that game. So ridiculous. And uh, it, it wasn't like I was trying to be evil or anything. It was just like I'm, I'm just playing by the game's rules and enjoying myself. And I felt uh, – looking back on it, I've had players like that. I know you're probably thinking of one off the top of both our heads. But we're not going to discuss names. But yep. you know who you are out there yep. who play by the rules exceptionally well. They're not munchkinning. They just know that line to walk mm-hmm. and you can't – you're frustrated with them. But at the same time, you're like, God, was that amazing. You know, and I I just went through that game that way, and it was it was something that I was not that I, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun, and because at the end of the game, he was expecting us to like wrap up the world and take care of the problem, and instead, I just literally left that plane of existence to a new one. <laughs> I made my own reality and walked away. I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> yep. So it was it was fun. It was a fun it was a fun ending, and oh, goodness. Uh, for me, it was enjoyable because I got to watch a bunch of my friends have a lot of fun as themselves yeah. doing crazy things as vampires. But at the same time, I kind of got to be the ultimate version of myself, mm-hmm. which I think is a big part of gaming. Are you trying to tell me this isn't even your final form? No, it's not. It's totally not. It's totally not. Oh, but although I will say this, just like all good things, this is probably where it ends. Oh, God. Yeah, so. no. If you and I ever get in a fight, it's going to take three seasons for me to defeat you. <laughs> What you don't realize is that unlike uh, Dragon Ball Z, I have no trainers or way to get this power <laughs> level any higher than right here, and that's it. So. What does the scouter say about his power level? It's about like 37, 38-ish. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. No, that's actually pretty manageable. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, we got this. <laughs> so do you want to hit that one from Sam? I absolutely Because I think we should totally hit one yeah, from no, Sam. No, no, uh, so, uh, so our, one of our new Patreon, uh, members, uh, Samantha, yep. uh, Patreon members, Samantha, submits this question. Uh, are there other shows for other tabletop RPGs? Uh, and indeed there are. There are tons yeah. of them. Um, 
So the place I would like to direct you um, primarily is going to be Geek and Sundry online. Yes. Uh, Geek and Sundry, um, they've got a, a YouTube channel. They used to have their own streaming service called Alpha, but that has been thusly shut down. Um, and a lot of the stuff from Alpha has been put up on their YouTube channel um, that I know of. Uh, however, they they do a lot of other shows. Um, yeah. So you'll hear me go on and on about Dread. It's a survival yep. horror um, game that uses a Jenga tower uh, as its uh, as its game mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the ones that introduced me to that. Uh, a couple games of Dread run by Ivan Van Norman, mm-hmm. who is dreamy, and <laughs> I will stare into his his <laughs> lucid pool like eyes. Just oh. Mm. Anyway, I digress. Uh, there he uh, was running his own. Uh, Ivan Van Norman was running his own. Uh, uh, zombie survival horror game called uh, We Are Alive. Uh, there was a game of Vampire the Masquerade going on. I've seen New Minara. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a Star Trek game going on well, for a while. Seven C is actually on Geek and Sundry as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah There's yeah. Uh, Forever Foreververse. Oh yeah, yes. Foreververse, right? Yep. So that's one that's on there. There's a few others, but you, I mean, also go to Twitch. You will yeah. you will find all kinds of people casting and there's a lot of actually of 7C there's a lot of Shadowrun that's out there that mm-hmm. I found um there's Dungeon World which oh, yeah. is which is another one really easy to get into system wise um I should so, actually do that I should look up Dungeon World because you, I, you I, really should I find it a little bit difficult really to wrap should. my brain around the uh, around the rules it's a little it's a little too free form for me yeah and so I, I kind of want to see it played just so I can kind of see an example of it. I highly would recommend that. The other one that we both have talked about doing is Urban Shadows. Because well, um, it runs kind of off the same system. Yeah, yes. The, the Apocalypse World system. Correct. Right. Correct. And uh, so it's it's different. It is mm-hmm. definitely different. I will definitely say that. Um, so yeah, there's there's a ton out there, Sam. Uh, I wouldn't say go too crazy because you can end up watching millions of hours. Oh, it's, of footage it's a rabbit for, hole, yeah. <laughs> for for of things that are not always you know what you want, but mm-hmm. I I would say uh, there's a lot of good recommendations out there, which is nice. Uh, the other thing I will say too is there's uh, there's a decent amount of podcasts out there. Yeah. Uh, when I was doing research to see if anybody else was kind of doing what we're doing here on this right, podcast, right, right. Um, I found remarkably few people talking about the storytelling end of things from a you know discussion and instruction sort of standpoint uh, like we do. But I found a lot of actual play podcasts mm-hmm. where people weren't necessarily streaming on Twitch or recording with video, but there's a lot of audio out there. Yeah. Yeah. There are some games that have been – I saw one podcast that's was in the – I want to say near thousands of episodes mm-hmm. um, that is just one continuous game Yeah, that they've been doing. They just started recording it and they just slowly got better at recording it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they've just been – they've never stopped because it's just what they do. And I think that's fantastic that people do that because that does give a lot of credence to other people as, as information to say, oh, hey – you know, we had this thing. We wanted to see what this person was doing. You know, fifteen episodes ago. Let's see where they're at now. Sure. You know, and what level they're doing, and you know how many people have died and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, we are getting close to end. Uh, we just got our two minute warning. Um, so yeah, next week we're going to handle GM burnout. Um, and I know we're we're going to be getting to Knox's episode because he's our contributor this month. Uh, so be prepared for a Knox based episode. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about dynamic storytelling mm-hmm. and a little bit about how player choices matter and can affect the world and the story around you and such like that. Yeah, so. and as another note, we did see a lot of people uh, chiming in on Sam's discussion uh, about new storytelling, and yeah. so one of the things we came up with that we're going to try and do, and we'll see if we can pull this off, is we're going to try and do a complete. Story creation in one hour. 
Sarah and I are going to go from soup to nuts. We're literally going to create a world, a story, and a, a, a probably a session zero kind of episode all in one hour and yeah. see if we can pull it off. I think we can. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think it's going to be a problem for us. I think we're going to panic about it and we're going to be like, oh, God, we got to do this. And then it's just going to be like yeah. easy for us. So, All right. All right. Well, uh, tell you what. Let's uh, let's let's wrap it up for the week. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Uh, check it out there too. I've been posting some uh, some build pictures. They're from, pretty uh, awesome. Some of the some of the minis I've been painting and some of the terrain that I've been building as well for uh, both of our games actually. Uh, you can find us also on Discord. Uh, the link to our Discord is in our Twitter uh, pretty often, and you can also find it um, in the description of any of our podcast episodes. Correct. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members, Knox and Sam, uh, who is now in the uh, contributions list to uh, be discussed every show. So thank you so much, Sam. And, of course, thank you, Knox, for all your hard efforts in helping us out. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at uh, geefrogmusic.webly.com on Google Music. Or our outro music, which is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, you can find that at uh, soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. We record every week at Podcast Detroit, and that's podcastdetroit.com. You can find them on Twitter at Podcast Detroit. And a big shout out and thanks to our beautiful and talented engineer, Caitlin. Thank you we so much, Caitlin. And uh, to, our fi- to our families, Vicki, Sean, all of our friends who've played with us at our tables all over, all over the years. And to you, our listeners, we love every single one of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night. Good night. <laughs>